0: I want to share with you a message entitled, Arrested and Free. Arrested and Free. I told the first service, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've been arrested before. Um, Thankfully, I have not. Scott, I said in the first service, I told Tyler, your son who's in here, I said, I hope that my former student is not the first person who arrests me. Um, But uh, hopefully, um, that's not you. But um, today, the question is, have you been arrested by Jesus? Have you been arrested by Jesus? A verse that came to mind, our pastor preached on a few weeks ago, and it really just captured my mind. And and I began to really study and um, understand what Paul was saying when he said this in Philippians 3.12. Not our key passage today, but I believe it's the springboard for what God's going to show us today. And it says this, Not that I have already reached the goal or I am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. To arrest means this, to seize, to apprehend, to capture, to check on, or to take hold of. Paul understood exactly what it meant to arrest somebody, right? He was going around arresting people, who were professing to be Christians. His name was Saul at the time. Saul would go around and persecute believers. He would arrest them. He would take them into chains, put them in prison, and um, ultimately have them murdered and killed. Saul knew exactly what it meant to be arrested. So for him to make this comment that I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus tells us a lot about what Saul learned in those moments. See, today... I want us to understand that just as Saul was arrested by Christ, we can too. Got a copy of the word, flip to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we'll be there this morning. I'd like to share the story of Saul's conversion. It's a very familiar story for many of us. As we begin to read it, you'll probably have heard it at some point probably. Paul wrote most of the New Testament books, and we see that um, this is his... Conversion experience. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've had a Damascus Road experience, and the bright light has shown on you. Um, that's not how it happened to me. I was 11 years old uh, in a church setting, much like this. A revival preacher was was sharing the gospel. Uh, the week before, my grandma, who's here with me this morning, had shared the gospel with me. And that morning, I followed um, the, I guess the, um, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, and I came to know Christ as an 11 year old boy. It wasn't a bright light, dirty road. Experience that possibly Saul had. But in that moment, Christ arrested me. And here's the deal about Saul. His life, his duty, his passion was to persecute believers. Let's look at verse 1 in chapter 9 of Acts. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. Asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. Any followers, it not matter who they are, he was going to take them down. He found them. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, imagine this, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And can you imagine? Can you imagine Jesus calling your name? So you may not hear it verbally this morning, but he's calling you. Do you hear him? He says, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Go up, go to the city. And you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, as I would. For they heard the sound of someone's voice and saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street. To the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He was praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. There are at least three things happen when Jesus arrests you. At least three things I want to show you in the story of, of Saul, soon to be Paul, that I believe can apply to today. Now, it's not just three things that happen, because there's a lot more that Christ does for you than these three, but at least three that we see in this text that I believe God's going to show us. The first thing is this. He stops your ongoing notorious practice. He stops your notorious practice, what you're known for. I just did a series called Reputation with the Students, and I share with them that you're known from different things. Either you're known because you try to be good, you're known because you try to, to get the glory, you have a glorifying reputation, or you have a godly reputation. And here, Saul had a reputation. He killed believers. He would bring them in, in chains, he'd put them in prison, he would have them murdered and killed. And that's his practice. That was his life. But in a moment, life changed. As some of you probably recognize, I have a little limp um, today. Last Saturday night, I, I was walking around my house and um, went down to the basement. I did not put on, turn on the light because my dog was supposed to be in her bed. Um, the basement was clean. I had just cleaned it that afternoon. I was going to put my Bible in the car. It was eleven forty five. I was ready for bed. And I was walking around. I have two posts in my, in my basement. I knew that post was there, so I grabbed a hold of it. Any smart person in the dark would do. I walked around toward my car, and as soon as I stepped to open the car door, I landed on my back. Actually, my elbow. I thought I might have broke it. I tripped over my dog. And in that moment, everything changed. I was there laying on my dog. She tried to get up. She's 110 pounds, 11 years old, real gray now. And she, uh, she tried to get up, and I tried to get up at the same time. Well, her claws um, scratched my foot. I can't explain this. It's crazy. I, I looked around afterwards, and I couldn't see anything. It had to be her claw, uh, one of her nails. I don't know. But it scraped my foot, and I had five stitches. I spent all night in the ER last Saturday. I had five stitches in my foot. And I share that story to say, in that moment, I was in the darkness, and I didn't realize what was in front of me. And as soon as that happened, everything stopped. I was no longer going to go brush my teeth and head to bed. I was heading to the emergency room, all right? Everything changed. And for Saul, he had a moment where he fell to the ground. Maybe he didn't get trip over a dog, but listen, there was a bright light that, that that caught his attention. And in that moment, everything changed. And here's the deal. That's what Jesus says. He stops you in whatever notorious practice you're used to. And here's a few things about the practice. What, what, what was he so used to. The first thing I want you to notice is his blind condition. He was sinful. He was going around. He was eager to kill believers. He desired that. He had a passion to do that. Not only was it, did he have a blind condition, but he had bad conduct. You know, he was selfish. He wanted to bring them in to, for chains. I don't know if it was to see how many of, uh, you know, of believers he could put to death or, or to bring in, but he, it was a joy for him to go and to arrest people He was eager for that. He was looking forward to it. This was his job for years. And here in that moment, Jesus stopped him. When he arrests you, listen, everything changes. Whether you're an 11-year-old at a revival or whether you're in this moment. When he stops you, life changes. You cannot be the same after encountering Jesus. You can't do it. And he says, hey, there's a blind condition. He's sinful, and there's bad conduct. And he finally realized that, listen, he was blind. He was blind before he was blind. Are you with me? Because when he saw the light and he fell, it was at that moment he realized he was blind. And there comes a time in our life that we got to be honest with God, and we got to realize the sinful condition we're in. And maybe it's not a physical blindness, but there's a spiritual blindness, and we've got to remove the blindness and say, you know what, Lord, I realize who you are. And in this moment, I have to stop who I am. And he do not want you to change and then he'll clean you up. He wants you to come to him and he'll do all the changing. And he stopped Saul right in his tracks where he was. Notice the second thing. Look at verse 15. But the Lord said, go. I just want you to know if, if you hear it, the Lord ever tell you anything. He says go. He says go a lot. Go and make disciples here in this moment, says, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. He was able to see See, he was blind, but now he could see. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. The second thing is not only does he stop you in notorious practice, but here's the great thing about Jesus when he arrests you. He starts you on a new pursuit. He starts you on a new pursuit. See, instantly he stops you, but intentionally he starts you out on a new pursuit. And in those moments, you've got to realize that, hey, if, if Christ arrests you in this moment, he stops where you are. He has a place. He has a destination. He has a purpose for your life. And here we see that. He stops you right in this moment. I, I remember, I reflect back, Mom, I don't even know if you know this story. My mom's here with me this morning. And, um, but when I was in college, um, my girlfriend, Sherry, my wife now at the time, um she was still in Asheville, and I was at Erskine College, and, and I was coming home that weekend to visit family and friends, and obviously her, and so on that Saturday, we, we decided to get together, and we wanted to go talk about our relationship. is a little difficult. Two and a half hours away, I was running cross-country. She was involved in, in school up here, and um, so we just needed to work on some stuff, you know what I mean? And we went to our youth pastor's house for just a few hours and, and spent some time there, trying to get some counsel and wisdom, hoping it would fix our relationship. Of course, we were hard-headed and couldn't, didn't listen to most, he said. hope my students don't do that to me. Um, but uh, we left there, and I was hungry. I said, let's stop by McDonald's on the way to take you home. And we stopped by, and I got a Big Mac. The only time I ever ate a Big Mac, because they're gross. But I got a Big Mac, and I said, let's go somewhere and talk. So I was like, I think there's a, so- a soccer park right behind here. She used to go to church right there behind Sand Hill Venable. And I was like, let's just go park at the, so- at the so- soccer park. And I told the teenagers in the first service, it's not good to go park it for any reason, especially when it's starting to get dark. And so simply, we're going to park to talk. I had my Big Mac. We're sitting there maybe five minutes into this. Scott, you may have run up on somebody in, in the same scenario, but I see blue lights. I'm flipping out. Like, I never gotten a ticket. I was a pretty good kid. I mean, you know... Um, I was a D.A.R.E. role model, you know, in high school. I was like, I I didn't know what to do. So I start getting out of the car. That's not what you do. You know, if the cop comes up, you don't just start and say, hey, how you doing? You know, you don't do that, okay? So, like, I'm freaking out. Like, I start, I roll down the window, and I hand in my license, and I'm, like, saying all this stuff of how good I am. I'm trying to, like, make it sound good. He's probably like, I've heard this, man. I know what you're up to. And I was like, dude, I got a Big Mac, I promise. I ain't trying nothing. You can check the car. I have no alcohol. I'm never drunk, never even seen alcohol. You know, and I was just going through this list, and he was like, Come on out here, man. He said, put your hands up. I was like, Am I getting arrested? I'm innocent. I was like, they're gonna call my mom, they're gonna call her dad, he's gonna kill me. And so I'm like, I'll get out of the car, and I'm I, no one's I'm looking around like, dude, is anybody watching this? And I got my hands up in the air, and he's like checking me out and stuff. And he was like, All right, man, he was like, So tell me, what are you doing? I was like, man, simply I came home from college, I tried to explain to him. We just came from my youth pastor's house. I just bought a Big Mac. We'll leave right now. And I was like, you don't believe me, do you? He was like, I believe you. And I, I bet he chuckled because he probably didn't believe me. He said, well, listen. He said, I would stop coming here. I would start going somewhere else because every night there's a drug bust here or there's promiscuous behavior here, and this doesn't look good. This is the wrong place at the wrong time. And I would advise you go ahead and take her home. And guess what? I started a new pursuit. After I pick up my Big Mac, I'm going to her house. I'm not stopping by the park. And here's the deal. When, when Christ arrests you, thankfully I didn't get arrested. But when he arrests you, he sets you free. He doesn't bound you up, but he sets you free when he arrests you. And he said, I'm going to start you on a new journey. He said, Saul, yeah, you used to be Saul. You're going to be Paul in a, in a few moments. And I, I've got a mission for you, and it's to go To go and be my chosen instrument. Two things about this new pursuit. The first one is this. It's a blessed calling. Sharing his name with the nations is a blessed calling. We're all in ministry. Whether you're a pastor, whether you work out, whether you're a nurse, if you're an athlete, whatever you do, you have a ministry. God has called you to something. It's a blessed calling. For me to spend eight days with 13 graduates this past week in Nicaragua... To have four or five of them filled so-called to international missions is incredible. To see them open up to the the calling that God has in their life. Like, man, hey, I want to go back. I want to do whatever God asked me to do. That's amazing. And that's what he does. He gives you a blessed calling. He says that. He says, you're going to be my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to kings, to the people of Israel. Not only is it a blessed calling, but there's a big commitment involved. He says, verse 16, And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. See, Paul, he would cause suffering. He would bring in believers, and he would cause them to be executed and killed for their faith. He knew what suffering they had went through. Maybe not in a sense of of what they were going through. But Jesus says here, he said, hey, this is a big commitment. When you say, Jesus, arrest my life, here's the deal. You will go through hardships and suffering and difficulties. It might not be just tripping over a dog and and, and scratching your foot a few times. But you will go through difficult moments. It's a blessed calling, but you will have to go through some things. You will bear the marks of the Savior. The great thing is he says he'll be with us as we go through it. All of us face things. All of us will face suffering. See, it's a blessed calling, but it's a big commitment. It's not just, hey, here I am, Jesus. And then we walk out and we're, we're no different. There's a big commitment involved. Not only does he stop us in the practice in which we are known for, and he starts us on a new pursuit that's very intentional. I believe today he's calling each one of us by name. And he gives us the distinct pursuit, and it's to follow him. But notice the last thing in verse 20. He sends us out with a necessary purpose. Verse 20. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. That's the great thing about the gospel. They were all amazed. Isn't this the same man who has caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priest? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They didn't even believe him. They were watching him day and night at the city gate so that they could murder him. But Saul was told about the plot. So during the night, some of the believers loaded him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. I started out by saying this is not just three things that happen when he arrests you. I'm going to just give you a few extra right here. When you come to Christ, when he arrests you, he secures your position with him. You're a son and you're a daughter. He secures it. Man, as a teenager, I battled over and over. Am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? And I prayed the prayer 50 times. You've done that too, right? It's so like I prayed, and I'm praying. I'm like, did it work? Did it work? Did it work? Sometimes Jesus is like, hey, how many times are you going to pray? I'm sufficient for you. What I did for you, it's a free gift. Accept it. I'm with you. And here in this moment, he says, hey, I am going to send you out with a necessary purpose and Paul here realized that, and he said, hey, man, I'm secure in my position. Not only that, but he gives you protection. He said he found out about the plot to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, man. I hope no one's plotting to kill me, right? But can you imagine? He found out about it. He just started preaching. They're already trying to kill him. He starts preaching. And they're like, hey, let's kill him. And here he finds out about it. That was God's provision that God would protect him through that. Let's read on. It says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them that how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Here in this moment, we see that he sent out with a necessary purpose. The first thing we notice is the bold courage. It says that he... Immediately, he went to preach, and it was powerful, powerful and more powerful, and everybody was amazed. Even the Jews, they were just like, man, what's going on with this guy? This is the guy that was was putting people to death. Is this really him? No, this can't be him. Let's try to kill him. And then before long, the apostles started to believe. See, the first thing that we see here is when he gives you a purpose, he gives you the bold courage to step out and do it. Whatever God's asking you to do, have the boldness and the courage to go out and to do it. But the second thing is this. There's a believable change. There's a believable change. And at first, they didn't really believe it was him. They're like, there's no way. I mean, this is the guy that was standing at the gate persecuting. There's no way that he's changed his life. You, you can reflect back. Somebody in high school you're with, and you're like, man, you know now that when they're 40 or 50 or 60, they came to Jesus, right? And you're like, no, there's no way. You're not different. Like, you still party. No, you, it can't be the same person. I remember this story. I was—I've um, had the privilege the last ten years to coach a couple different sports in a couple schools. And my first coaching job was at Cane Creek. In my second year there, um, we were having golf tryouts. We had thirty-five golfers tryout. I'm a coach now at Veritas, and we only have like eight or ten tryouts. Really easy compared to the thirty-five. And then you got to cut some people, and that's no fun, right? I've been cut before. It's, it's not fun. It's sad. It's not good. But I had a young man come up. He's about this tall. No exaggeration. He's about this tall. Mom was carrying his clubs. Okay, he didn't go to church here, but mom was carrying his clubs, and so they're walking around, bringing the clubs over, trying to drag him along. You've seen it before. You know, mom or granddad or somebody really wants them to play, and you know, dragging him around. He's like, "Hey, man, how you doing? What's your name?" He told me his name. I'm not gonna say it. And uh, I said, "Hey, man, hit your." Five iron, he's like, I don't have one. I was like, Hit your nine iron, he's like I don't have that. He's like, I got a putter, I got this big club here, it was like way bigger than him. And then he had like a three iron. So I'm like, Who uses a three iron, man? And especially if you never golf before. He had three clubs. And I'm like, This is not gonna go good. He starts to hit the ball, goes nowhere. And I'm like, Man, I'm gonna have to cut this kid. I mean, I bless I mean, I feel bad talking to mom or grandma, you know, about it. And so he doesn't make the team. I think he was relieved. I mean, when he walked in, he was like, okay. I mean, he just walked on, got in the car. He's like, man, I'm, whew, I'm good. I'm free now. But the next year, I have trials. 30-something kids come out. And I'm looking around, just kind of see who kind of looks like a golfer. That doesn't mean you can play, by the way. You can look good, but not play good. And uh, there was one kid, man, he had, he dressed apart. He had new clubs. I mean, he looked like he could play. So I'm like, let's see you hit the club. Didn't even know the kid. You know, this kid had kind of a big afro. And he's like over here about to play, and... And he starts hitting like 200, 225 yards, middle school, 8th grade. I'm like, dude, you're good, man. I'm like, hey, what's your name? Same kid. Same kid. Grew about a a foot, 7th to 8th grade, grew a foot. Dude, he was my second best golfer all year. This guy was incredible. I said, what happened? He said, man, I went to Duke School of Golf. Wow, I don't think you want to play for me, man. You You got some good instruction there he's like man I worked on my game ever since I got cut I worked to get better I use this story all the time by the way he said man I, I'm, I'm different I work on it and you know what I was like wow that's the same kid and here's the deal when Christ changes you he doesn't change you a little bit man he changes you a lot and when he showed up man that, that kid was different and in the same way maybe that's that's more of along the golfing realm but but in the spiritual realm think of that When Christ changed Saul's life, when when Paul showed up, they're like, man, he used to to be the one. Man, he's different. He's preaching about the Jesus he used to persecute. What's different about him? Here's the deal. God will give you the bold courage, and he'll give you a believable change in your life. And he'll send you out with a necessary purpose. God has a plan for all of us. When he arrests us, he has a plan for us. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm going to save you so you can just be how you are. The kid wasn't comfortable just saying, you know what, I got cut, so I'm no good. I'm just going to go home. He said, I'm going to be determined to get better, to, to, to make something as a golfer. In the same way in our spiritual life, we've got to know that we come to Christ and say, Lord, arrest me. And when he arrests you, he changes you. And that's exactly what he did to Saul. Just recently I asked a close family member of mine, Mike Hurst, not to name names, um, my brother-in-law. So, Mike, what's it like to get arrested? He just answered, man. I'm like, man, is that offensive? He's like, no, man, I've been arrested a few times. He's not, by the way. He's worse by college than us now. He's good. And he didn't kill anybody, I promise. I said, Mike, what's it like to be arrested, man? He chuckled when he said this You lose all sense of freedom. You do what they say, go where they take you, and you no longer have a free will. The Apostle Paul knew this arrest terminology well. He did it for years. Take freedom away is what he did. But when Christ arrested him and when he arrests us, you gain all the freedom in the world. You don't lose it. You gain it. If someone has a view of God as he arrests you and takes control of your life and he does as he pleases, no, he gives you free choice and free will and he wants you to live your life for him. And here in this moment, we see a little bit about freedom. Flip over to Galatians chapter 5. She you flip to Galatians 5, this is Paul talking about being set free. And let me kind of bring you up to to speed with the context of this. He just shares an illustration of how he says when we're born of God, when we're children of God, we're either born of a slave woman or a free woman. And he goes and he talks about that. Basically, are we born of someone of the law or are we born of someone of grace, essentially? And then right after this passage, he begins to talk about whether we're justified by faith or justified by the law. Are we in right standing before God because we do good and we obey the law? Or is it because of God's gift and his grace? And so this is what Paul, not Saul anymore, says. So Christ has truly set us free. Christ has truly set us free. I'm going to give you three things about this freedom. The first thing is this. Salvation in Christ sets you free. I can't set you free. The cop down at the soccer park can't set you free. He did set me free that day. But, he, you know, only Christ can set you free. Salvation in Christ sets you free. And here's the deal about that. It's sufficient for you. It works. When he arrests you, he sets you free, and It works. Nothing else works. Guys, we went to three different communities in Nicaragua a week ago. Three different. never seen a white person. Never seen a missionary. One place we hiked three miles to get there. We'll share more on Wednesday night when we share about the trip. Never seen a Bible. What's a Bible? Never seen a Bible. And when we started talking about the liberty and the freedom that comes with Christ, guess what they did? They responded. That's what I want. I give up my life. Arrest me to get that kind of freedom. Salvation in Christ sets you free. It's sufficient for you. You don't have to flip over there, but Romans chapter 8, just a few verses. You may could quote this. It's a very well-known verse, especially 8 verse 1. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like ours, like our bodies, we sinners have. And in that body, God declared to end, to sin control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, amen, who no longer follow the sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Two things about Him setting us free. The first one says God emptied Himself by sending His Son. God emptied Himself. If you look at Philippians chapter 2 it says that God he, he found Himself very nature of God but yet Jesus emptied Himself taken on the form of a servant became obedient even death unto the cross. He was willing to do that. He can set us free because He emptied Himself is sufficient. The second thing is God ended sin's control. Aren't you thankful that Christ did what we could not do ourselves? We're sinful, he's sinless, and yet he died on a cross for us. Salvation in Christ it sets you free, it's sufficient for you. Notice the second thing here. It says Galatians 5. He didn't just stop by saying so Christ has set you free. He says now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery of law. Don't get tied up again. The one thing I know, I've, I've got a few family members who work in, I guess, legislation and, and whatnot, and, and they share with me, especially those who are working on par- parole, and I've got an uncle that's real involved there. and He tells me that a lot of the people who, ret- who go to jail, once they get out, they become repeat offenders. They'll go back into the lifestyle. They're, they're not used to that freedom. When they get that freedom that's all they've really known. And if there's not accountability, if, if there's not a whole lot of people who support them and give them purpose and meaning, they will end up coming back into the system. And the goal and the hope is to not have repeat offenders, is to learn from those mistakes and to move on. To to, to have God radically change your life, had He has my brother-in-law. To, to change your course of life. And we know that this this is a a, a, a reality for many believers says now make sure you stay free what he's saying is there, that means there's a possibility not to stay free you may say man Adam Christ has arrested me and I've walked in that freedom before but, but today I'm not, I'm not walking in that freedom anymore I don't know if it's whether it's sin or whether it's just legalism but you may feel like today that you're not walking in the freedom that Christ has for you he says hey stay free so how can you stay free he says the sanctification in Christ helps you stay free sanctification. Sanctification is being set apart. That's a daily walk with Christ. Christ daily is to get us more and more into his image and his likeness. That's the goal of making disciples of all nations. Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Sanctification is a growth process. It doesn't matter how old you are. That growth process begins when you say, Lord, arrest me. Take my life. And as he sanctifies you, You'll stay free. And listen, it's successful. It's not only sufficient, but it's successful. I like that. It doesn't mean that you go back to the sin. Some people are like, man, I struggle with this, man. I, we talked about this when we were on Nicaragua one night. We, we were just talking about, man, how so many people say, man, this is my problem. And in the faith, this is what I struggle with. This, man, if Christ has saved you, he'll set you free from that. And you can stay free from it. And I don't know what it is. But he said, hey, man, I can keep you from that. And here's the deal. If you walk in the flesh, you can't. But if you walk in the spirit, he'll give you that liberty and freedom to stay free. Don't get bound back up in chains. If you were to look at Matthew 11, I'm not going to turn there, but a few things about that. When Jesus says, come to me, man, all who are heavy laden, all of you, if you have burdens, come to me, man, I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And here's the deal, he wants us to, to share our burdens with him. It's easy. It's easy on Him. And not only that, but He invites us to shift our burdens to Him. It's effective. It's effective. How many of you have had somebody come in your life and say, you know what, I know what you're going through. I've been through something similar, and they share that with you, and it really helps you in that time of need. That's how Christ is. He's like, hey, man, I've been there. Hey, you got a few scars from tripping over your dog, but I've got the scars. Man, our suffering and what we go through here pales in comparison to what he went through. He understands your infirmities. He understands where you are. Trust in him and he'll help you stay free. Notice the last thing here. Look at verse 13 in Galatians 5 as I close. For God, for for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15. But if you are always biting and devouring each other, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Satisfaction in Christ helps you serve free. Satisfaction in him allows you to serve freely. I just saw this morning on Facebook a, a, a young lady who we built a house for last year. She has five kids. We were in Honduras last year and built a house for this lady. They were almost finished when we got there. We got to carry boards down about a mile down the, down the road. We're putting on the finishing touches and, and she was out there every day helping us and whatnot. Very gracious, very generous. And a team went back this year. Another uh, church went down. The same lady When they arrived, the same lady went and helped build another house for somebody else. And she stayed with them every day throughout the week. See, she was satisfied in how God had blessed her. She'd been arrested by him. And she said, you know what? I want to walk in this freedom. And there was an opportunity not to keep sinning but to say, hey, I want to serve. Can I help you all build this house? That's what Christ does for us. When we're satisfied in him... We're willing to serve Him. He says, "But don't use your freedom to satisfy the sinful nature; use it to serve one another in love." And He says, "Hey, I can sum all this up in one phrase: love your neighbor as yourself." I think it's a given here in the context of what He's talking about. Is Jesus said, "There's two greatest commands, and everything in the book of the law h- hinges on these two: love God and love others." In other words, He says this: "This is how you want, i want you to serve Me. Exalt the Savior." He said, exalt the Savior and encourage the saints. He says, exalt the Savior and encourage the saints. For me to look at that and see Maria help him build a house in Honduras, I say, man, that's serving freely. Who once was bound but now is free and is doing what God has commanded. He says, exalt the Savior and encourage the saints. Are you and I walking in the freedom of Christ? He's among us today, seeking to take hold of our lives and set our course on a path of freedom. There's a song lyric that really captures what I share today. And it's from Hillsong, and it's called To Know Your Name, the song we used to sing in our youth group. And there's a verse in this song that every single time I sing it or see it, I weep and I cry because it it radically captures my heart. And it says this, Arrested by your truth and righteousness, Your grace has overwhelmed my brokenness. Arrested by your truth and righteousness, your grace has overwhelmed my brokenness. Allow that to sink in. Maybe we're not arresting believers today. Maybe we're not walking down the dusty road to Damascus. But right here in this moment, Christ wants to arrest you. What's your current practice? What are you notorious for? What's the condition of your heart? What's the conduct of our lives? Myself included. Where are we at before God? Has he arrested us? Let him stop you where you're going and start a new pursuit today. Seek first his kingdom. Follow after him. Be ready to be sent out for a necessary purpose. His plan for you, listen, is bigger than yourself. It's bigger than yourself. Our motto in our student ministry is Woe student ministry is because Isaiah he came into the presence of God and when he left he came in saying hey woe is me, man I'm undone arrest me and he left in the power in the power of the spirit and he left and he said hey here I am send me he came into his presence he left with his power and that's what he wants to do for us as I was finishing up yesterday I was studying at home and a song came on Pandora, Pandora's great And I was listening to this station and this song came on. It says, I let go so I can take hold of you, Jesus. It's a beautiful exchange. I let go so I can take hold of you, Jesus. Now, reflect back to that very first verse in Philippians that we talked about. Not that I have already reached the goal or I'm already mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus all we got to do is reach out I wonder today with hands raised and hearts responsive could we come to Jesus and say arrest me and set me free arrest me and set me free whether you're a believer and you've been a believer a long time stay free don't go back to that bondage whether for the first time you say, Jesus, arrest me. I need that. I need you to take control of my life. Once he arrests you, he frees you. His salvation is sufficient for you. He sanctifies you daily, so stay free by sharing your burdens with him. And don't use your freedom to sin, but to serve God and others. It will be the most satisfying life to live. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.